Knowledge is power. We hear that all the time, right? But what does that really mean? And how can we use education to expand in ministry, edify, and even win souls? Well, find out all of that and more in this powerful series. Please join me and Dr. Cynthia Vessel as we discuss the church's role in higher education. You don't want to miss this episode, so please stay tuned. Hey everyone, it's MJ. Thank you for joining me once again. I hope you are having an amazing day today. I just want to take this time to say thank you to all of our listeners and subscribers and those of you who are new to the Change My Life family. Welcome. I hope that you would subscribe. There'll be many wonderful inspirational episodes that will be coming your way. And don't forget, you can also stay connected with us on social media. We're on Facebook as well as Instagram at Change My Life Podcast. So thanks again for your love and support. Okay, I am very excited about today's episode and my very special guest. She has served in the ministry as a praise and worship leader and a youth director. She has traveled across the United States and also she has journeyed abroad to Kenya, East Africa, a number of times to do mission work. She has attended the University of Illinois, Chicago, Northeastern Illinois University, and also National Lewis University, where she earned a doctorate in adult continuing education. As a member of Way of Life Church International, she is the praise and worship leader, ordained prophetess, Sunday school teacher, and provides leadership and training for many ministries in the church. She flows prophetically in intercession, teaching, and the spirit of wisdom. And she is here with us today, none other than Dr. Cynthia Bessel. Thank you for being on Change My Life. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a great opportunity, a great, oh my God, I'm so excited and so honored that you would have me. Yes, I'm honored that you agreed to be on today's show. And so it is my prayer that um, those of you who are listening to this episode will really embrace education in ministry, um, that you will use it as a tool for outreach or to grow, expand, edify, and even to win souls. And so um, I'm very excited about today's show and I'm going to jump right on in there. So Dr. Vessel, I like to call her Dr. V. So I'm going to call you Dr. V. Is that okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So Dr. V, um, I'm just very interested to know you're so heavily involved in the ministry. I would just like to know why did you get um, involved in education. What? Why did you decide to work in education? Well, I think I first and foremost say must say that it was destiny because it was always a dream. Whenever I was in school, and they um, by the time I got to high school, and I had exposure to um, college professors as a career, that's what I wanted to do. So if you ask me 
what I wanted to do, it would be a college professor. But I never pursued it. I did think about it when I did go to undergrad. I thought about being a math professor and um, just life kind of took me another way in the terms of careers and I never pursued it. And then um, my best friend from fifth grade, Dr. Pamela Walker, I give her, her props, um, I, she was a god sister and so um, I always stayed in touch with my godparents, but I kind of had lost touch with my god sister. And so my godmother knew that I had gone back to school after 15 years and I was getting my degree. Well, at the same time, my god sister was working at a college and she just simply sent me a message, you know, tell Cynthia when she gets her degree to call me, I have a job for her. And that's how I got into higher education. I had been in the education field volunteering and doing some of the things we'll talk about today. But to be in higher education was, you know, like something I said, something I prophetically spoke without thinking and then ended up living. Wow. That's that's awesome. So, Dr. V, tell our listeners... What is the importance of knowledge? You know, we hear that saying knowledge is power all the time. Can you please expound on what is the importance of knowledge? So we have to step back and look at what does, how does not knowing affect us? Mm. So how does ignorance affect us? And when we look at not knowing or being ignorant to something, then we can see the importance of knowing. We look at the impact of what we didn't know and how it affected us, and then we realize, oh, I need to know as much as I can know because not knowing impacts me on a greater level. And when you when you think about it that way, one of the things I teach my students, I always tell them these are Dr. Vessel quotes, and so I always tell them in, in teaching English, you better spike me on this one. <laughs> um, but um, I, my, my quote is, sometimes students are just so insecure because they don't know. I'll ask a question, and they just don't know the answer. And what I do to encourage them, and sometimes it can be discouraging, you know, and um, what I do to encourage them is saying the, there's a space. The space between not knowing and knowing is called learning, and that's why we're here. Yes, yes. And so knowledge is, is important um, in, in the sense that Learning is a process, and when we learn something, we now have knowledge. And so we want to fill that space. We want to always be filling that space. We want to always learn. Awesome. Yes. Especially as people of God, I think it's always important to learn. Absolutely. Never get comfortable thinking you know it all. Um, Absolutely. So I'm just going to get right to it. I'm not going to save it to the end, to the middle. I'm going to get right to it. So what is the church's role in higher education? So when you look at higher education, you're looking at a business. Whether it's a public college or private college, we're all about numbers. And 
everybody needs students and everybody's going to do what they can to get the best students. And then people are going to market getting those who are not the cream of the crop and catching those that are left over that others won't accept. And that's the business of education. And disparity and the blocking of education has always been there. That's where the birthing of HBCUs happened, historically back colleges and universities, because when African-Americans, Blacks, were not allowed into white, predominantly white institutions, they decided to build their own, and they decided to have college in basements, and they decided to turn the church into a school and uh, educate our own, and so... Um, that is the church's role, and the church's role needs to become a more aggressive role in which we are not just trying to catch, but we realize the work that we are doing in education, and we're doing a lot of work, the work that we are doing, and see how we are impacting, and then be intentional about that. I think it's just, it's just what we do. It's the, it's the it's the nature of the church, mm-hmm. and we don't see it so much as higher education, but it is. Yes, never looked at it like that before. So I can I can see someone maybe giving some kickback to what you just said and saying, "Well, why is that the church's responsibility? You know, we have schools and stuff out here. Why is that the church's responsibility to you know?" be involved in education. What will be your response to that question? So one one thing is, like I said, we're already doing it. Um, we are raising children traditionally, especially in the black church. We raise children, and as far as I know, um, and at least in my church, children still do Easter speeches and Christmas speeches, and parents are just um, in awe and nowadays, phones go up when a child simply has two lines. Your, your child could experience their first acting role in a church play. These days, children are miming their, their minds and their dancers. And, of course, you've had that church choir. So that child's first performance, first public performance is going to happen in church. First experience with speech is going to happen in church. First classroom in a Sunday school class. And so we are the first and we are the foundation of education. And so why not take that and shape it into understanding that's what we do. So we've been doing it. So when you have those children who go to school and they're not crying on their first day and falling all out because they're not used to being in a room with other people by themselves without their, when you drop, when you drop that child off at Sunday school in their class, when you drop that child off in uh, youth church, when you get ready to drop them off in school, that is not a strange phenomenon to them. And so they're able to, they're able to speak up into class because they, in the Sunday school class, they're singing songs, they're learning scriptures. We are building their memory skills, teaching them scriptures. And so this educational process 
Yes, and it's almost like they're being trained. It's like training Absolutely. ground. That's the first training ground. And then when you talk about, um, you know, the responsibility of the church, we need to keep up with the times. One of the big things now is equity and diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion. But the, 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 the challenge with that is that the church is excluded. And so because of some of the things that we believe, that differ from what other people believe, we are the bad guy. Hmm. If we choose to live by the principles that we have lived by forever, we haven't changed our tune. Um, it's just that our tune, you can't, others don't dance to as easily. And so now we have to be silenced for other people to be free. And if we're going to maintain our beliefs and our principles and our practices, just like every other religion and every other culture is able to maintain and do what they want to do, it's the name of Christ that you get in trouble for, and we are now excluded but ex- expected to be a part of the equity, diversion, and inclusion. Mm, that's pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. So... By listening to you just now, maybe some uh, church leaders, pastors, maybe they're not involved in education or they feel like they're not involved in education like they should be. What are some ways that a church can get involved in education if that's what they desire? So in this pandemic, in this season, my answer shifts. Right now, I think a church's first priority is to make sure that a child has the resources. There should not be a church that does not have a checklist from their youth ministry to make sure that every child has a computer. Now, the school is probably making sure of that, but people slip through the cracks, and children of the king should not be slipping through the cracks. Mm -hmm. And so churches need to make sure that they, that children have what they need to survive in this type of atmosphere. And so, you know, you know a child is going to need a computer. Uh, you know, you know, it would, we, they need to, and then there needs to be a support system where uh, the church is helping um, families to understand quiet place and appropriate behaviors and that type of thing. Sometimes people can take that better from their minister than they can from a teacher or an administrator from a school. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, none of us are perfect. All of us behave badly sometimes. And now you're talking about we're in this pandemic. Nobody's going to tell me how to dress in my house or what to say in my house. But a pastor can say, hey, You are representing the kingdom, your child, you know, and help people understand the behaviors of remote learner and what needs to happen in the background. That's where some of the problems are happening in the background. And the church, we walk in authority. And so we need to take authority over those ills, especially in the household of faith. 
Judgment comes from the household of faith first. Yes, that's very powerful. And and I know I, I spoke to you before. What are your thoughts on um, the church having like tutoring sessions or even like, you know, tutoring centers for the youth and abroad? And that and that's the that's the probably the next level of so once you once you reassure that the child has the the resources that they need, then we need to make sure that they know how to use them. No child who is involved in a church that's a part of a church family should not know how to turn on their computer, how to turn on and off their camera how to access Google Meet or uh, whatever way they need to access that. And we know that they can learn it because they can access YouTube, they can access TikTok. And so our (laughs) children are not foreign to a remote environment. And if you let me divert a little bit, um, that's the other thing. We have to watch our language. Now, we know that we binge watch and our children binge watch children. I mean, we go back to the 70s where Saturday morning you got an old a box of cereal, a jug of milk, a spoon, and you sat down and you watched Saturday morning cartoons for a minimum of four hours. Yes. So why is it that we are stressing that children are sitting in front of a computer for four hours? We know by the time we would get to the late, to, to the 80s, that they had handheld Game Boys that they played for six to eight hours. And, and yeah, we made a little bit of a fuss, but we accepted that and we paid hundreds and thousands of dollars for our children to change the cartridge to play different games. By the 80s, we got Ataris and Nintendos, and children are playing these all the day long. Their children that are playing, now we're at the late 80s or even before. You got Dungeons & Dragons, and they're doing interactive games and playing games online. By the 90s, a child can spend anywhere from one hour to 24 hours in front of a screen playing, and now we're all in a tizzy because they need to spend six hours working with a computer and they're getting great. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you better preach it. <laughs> That's good. So true. And you, you know, think about it like that. I appreciate you breaking that down because everything you said was so true. That's exactly what we did. We were in front of that television. Absolutely. And we, we were learning, but we weren't learning to the extent these children are learning. They are learning to read, write, do their arithmetic. They are learning the things that they are they should be learning in a in a uh, environment that is not foreign to them. Exactly, so so true. So we we did speak a, a little bit about training. You touched on it already about how children are trained in the church, not not even realizing they're being trained in the church, um, as far as giving their speeches and those things. I want you to speak on because Jesus' disciples were pretty much, he was training them for ministry. Uh He was educating them. And so I know speaking to you before, you said a lot of churches, they stop at evangelism and they don't Uh go to discipleship. 
Can you please expound on that a little bit? And so we, we, we are witnesses. We are fishers of men. And so we, um, we preach the gospel. We find the hurting and the wounded and we minister healing to them. And people know that if they are hurting, they expect they can come to the church and get some kind of help. And we tend to give that help. And if they choose to stay, we are ecstatic. We have a new member. And um, we allow that new member to choose. Do you want to be in a choir? And we may offer those things. And then so there is a level of discipleship that comes depending on um, the, the structure of the church. So Sunday morning is usually that time when um, you are preaching to souls and helping the hurting to hear the word of God. And then the more progressive churches take the time to do some teaching on a Sunday morning. But preaching is the 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 mainstream thing of, you know, getting the people hyped mm-hmm. in terms of that and preaching the gospel. Well, um, there needs to be leadership. Everybody, if there's a leader inside of all of us. And it is the church's job to pull that leader and raise that leader up. And that's the discipleship. And then send them out. That's what Jesus did. He taught them. He pulled them to the side. And then he sent them out. And so we need to then get into specialized instruction. We need to, the church is to look at the gifts and the callings and help people develop in their gifting and in their calling and cause them to understand that, you know, as uh, you you put out there that I was a praise and worship leader mm-hmm. and that I was a prophet. And so there was a prophet who said, you know, you're going to be a praise and worship leader. Well, I was in a church that we didn't do praise and worship. And so I didn't even really know what that meant. And it would be no less than about a year or two later that I was a part of the ministry and I was assigned to be the praise and worship leader. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go and I had to study and get those resources. And um, my leader brought in trainers who trained me. And then I went to conferences and then I visited other churches who had praise and worship teams. And I began to learn and the expectation was that I would go and learn. And so though my pastor, and then I was in the ministry, though my uh, executive director was teaching me the things of God, the word of God, how to teach and how to preach and how to prophesy, those types of training and those types of fine-tuning, those types of skills, I had to go and get other instruction for those specialized gifts and calling. Mm-hmm. And then we would, she would bring in people who were special specialists in those areas. She brought in prophets to, to help instruct prophets. We know that Elijah had the school of the prophets, or mm-hmm. Elijah Elisha. Um, and so there, there's that discipleship that means you're trained in the area where you're called. Yes. And you're getting schooled. And, you you know, I had to invest in books just like in school. I bought books 
ministry books that I could read while I was at the church or I could get on loan. But then I bought books and I took classes. I went on retreats and I chose workshops that were in the area where I was trained. I went to schools. And so that kind of discipleship has to happen so that we're experts. And what can happen from there in education is that we can match our callings to our careers. So it would not be strange that I would be in uh, be a professor because I was a youth leader, but my biggest connection was two young adults. And that same connection where I'm laughing and we're getting on the floor and we're doing um, um, team building and all of that with 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds uh, going away to camp, working with that group. It would be easy and it would be the uh, experience that I needed. When I got into higher education, I did not have higher education background. Mm-hmm. And the person who was interviewing me said, you know, the way you talk, you're the perfect candidate. But I need someone who has classroom experience. And what I said to her was, a Sunday school class is a classroom. Yes. I said, and the training that I do when I go to retreat. When the hotel talks to me and says, how do you want us to set up the room? I say classroom style. And because I had been in different neighborhoods, different denominations, and I had been around the United States and Africa, I was able to say that I had taught a diverse group of people. And so all my church history was the experience that got me the job because I had a degree, but I did not have the I did not have the classroom experience that they were looking for. But when they matched those transferable skills, they were undeniable. Yes, so awesome, Doctor B. Really, that is that's yeah. really good stuff. Um, I'm enjoying this. I hope you all out there are too. This is. Well, that concludes part one of the church's role in higher education. I truly enjoyed this episode and I hope you did too. So please do me a favor and share this with someone. I know they're going to be blessed by it. And if you have not already, please subscribe because we have one more episode in this series and it's going to be very powerful. Wow. Who knew my engagement in higher education would change my life?